Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. You know, as I was reflecting on purpose, I realized like um, uh, uh, there's a few things about purpose which we've got to come to realize. Okay, you know, I've, I've said things like this often when I've taught on purpose and I believe them still to be true. Like, um, you know, if you don't, if you're not living on purpose, it, you're kind of going to get frustrated. I'm sure many of you have experienced that. You, you're in a place of um, frustration because you don't see the purpose of this job or you don't see the purpose of whatever you're doing or where am I going with my life? And a lot of people hit things like midlife crisis and things like that because they lack purpose, right? And uh, I'll just say for a Christian that should never be. We should never uh, 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 feel like we're lacking purpose or struggle with these things. Um, we, should, we should always be living life on purpose. And uh, that doesn't mean you have to always be um, like on the streets of some rural community sharing the gospel with people. If that's it, awesome. But that's not, that's not all of it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this. But one of the things you've got to realize is that your purpose is bigger than you. Okay, your purpose is bigger than you. And that is for everyone. I used to kind of believe like, you know, God's purpose for you is you're going to be a doctor and you're going to be a lawyer and you're going to be a teacher and you're going to be a business person. You're going to make millions. And like, I can honestly say that, that, that that's not how God works. God's not calling you to a profession. Sorry to disappoint you. And I'll explain this in a moment. And the reason, like, I mean, he's gifted you and he's given you interests and talents and things like that. And, you know, you go and study to develop those interests, hopefully. Uh, 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 and then, you know, as you develop these interests and things, you become specialized in an area. And then you can go and make money or make a profession and you can use that for your purpose. But that's not your purpose. There's a, re there's a couple of reasons why, why that would be true. Number one. You know, if, if, if your purpose, I sat with a, a, a rugby player once, um, I was discipling a couple of rugby players at the time, and this guy, um, he, he phoned me and he said he's on his way to Newlands, he's going to play his first game, please would uh, I, I pray for him. And I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, <laughs> just go play. Like, you, you've been, like, it shouldn't be a problem for you, this is what you've been dreaming of and whatever. So he comes to uh, uh, my place and, and he sits there and he's like, you know, I'm just so nervous, pray for me. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I have no idea what to pray for this guy. What do you pray for someone like this? And I just put my hand on, on his big shoulder and uh, I, I started praying. And as I was praying, I felt God say to me, tell him he's not a rugby player. And so I said, I didn't know what else to say after that, but I took the first step and I gave the word and I said, I believe God's saying to you, you're not a rugby player. And his whole face dropped and he was disappointed and he was upset. And then God gave me the next line, tell him he's a son who plays rugby. And as I said that, you could see like the cogs moving in his head. And, uh, and then, um, and, and he was a bright guy, so it wasn't like taking too long. <laughs> but the cogs were moving in his head. And then he was like, that, that, that actually makes sense. And, and I was just basically showing him his purpose is bigger than what he does. And I said, what happens if you lose your legs in a car accident and you can't play rugby again? 
You know, now all of a sudden, can you never fulfill your purpose? Or does God have to kind of go to plan B for your purpose? It, it doesn't work like that. And then, you know, as I started thinking about things like that, I was like, what about the, 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 the rubbish collectors? The guys who come every whatever day of the week, they come to your house and they collect the rubbish from, from, from your, uh, your neighborhood. Praise God for those guys. Otherwise, we would have to go and dump it somewhere. And that wouldn't be pleasant. I've gone to the rubbish dump. <laughs> when, when, you know, I have extra rubbish that they won't collect, I have to go there and it, it stinks. You know, it's really bad. And so I'm thankful for those guys, but like, why did God call them to do that and not me? Is it because he likes me more? Why did God call you to do what you do if your job is better than mine? And, and why didn't he give me a better job? Let's talk about this. I mean, we need people to clean toilets in the shopping centers, right? So who does God reserve those jobs for? You know, when we start thinking about calling and purpose like this, it starts to... Uh, unravel a bit and you realize okay wait there must be some kind of faulty logic with this why would God call someone to be a doctor and another person to be a street sweeper it can't be that it has to be based on opportunity it has to be based on on uh, uh, your your skill set your interests and things like that but you know I know lots of people who have a very strong desire to do something and they can't do it because maybe they lack opportunity or their marks aren't good enough to get into that field of study or whatever the case is. So there's got to be something more to it. Your purpose is bigger than your skills. Your purpose is bigger than your talent. Your purpose is bigger than your qualification. Your purpose is bigger than you. Here's a, 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 another aspect to it. Your purpose is bigger than your comfort. A lot of the time, we're aiming at comfort when it comes to purpose. <laughs> you know, my, my, my father-in-law is a doctor, and, um, and he's, uh, he, he's, he's trying to move towards retirement, <laughs> but he can't because there's a lot of people in his um, uh, practice who um, retired just before him, and they're much, they're much younger, so they shouldn't retire, or they're moving on, or there's too much movement, so you can't. And one of the problems is, is that there's a lot of younger doctors who aren't kind of like rising up to the call of what it means to be a doctor. In a sense of, a lot of them refused to see COVID patients when there was COVID. They were just like, I'm not prepared to deal with that. So much for your commitment to help save lives, but I'm just not going to do that. Or they, they, they're like, okay, I've worked out how much money I need in a month, and so I only need to see so many patients, and so when I'm done, I'm going home. And then you've got the older guys who are trying to put in the hours to see the people who are really sick. Because it's, what is it about? It's about my comfort, and it's about my pleasure. How much money can I get? How much money do I need? The world does not revolve around you. And this is one of the biggest problems with Christianity, is we think it's all about us. You know, so we, we love teachings about, you're, you're, you're the apple of God's eye, which you are, you are, amen. God loves you so much. If you were the last person on earth, He would die for you. He would, amen, that's great. 
You know, all of those kind of things. You know, it's just like, we, we, it, it's true, Christianity is a personal experience. But it doesn't stop there. Your Christianity is not about you. God's got a bigger purpose for your Christianity than just making you feel good. Okay? Some of you don't feel really good right now. But your purpose is bigger than your dreams. It's bigger than your desires. It's bigger than your aspirations. It's bigger than you. Okay? Go to Ezekiel 36. No one expected that curveball. Uh, Ezekiel 36, 25. There's a couple of verses here. Now what's awesome is, I've taught on this a while back, and we sang about it tonight in the new song. But, you know, Genesis to Malachi, Jesus refers to Genesis to Malachi as the Scriptures, if you read the Bible. Paul, he says all Scripture is God is inspired, God breathes. So what he's saying when he's talking about Scripture, he's writing that in, in Timothy. Okay? Now, he's writing that all Scripture is inspired by God, so he's not referring to what he's busy writing right now, at that time. He's referring to Genesis to Malachi. So whenever we read in the Bible and it's talking about Scripture, it's talking about Genesis to Malachi. Okay? Then we've got the, the, the New Testament part of the Bible, the Gospels and the letters. And uh, those are important. But what I want you to see is that nothing in the New Testament is new. It's all based on the old. Jesus didn't come and go, this is a great idea, let me tell you about this. Or let me teach you about this. And Paul didn't say, well, let me teach you about that. It was all based, their teachings were based on Genesis to Malachi. Okay? Now, if you go and you get a good Bible which has got cross-references, you'll find there's a lot of references to the Old Testament. Because their textbook was Genesis to Malachi. Jesus preached from the Old Testament. Some of us find that shocking. I've had people come up to me after services and say, we should you know, do away with the Old Testament. Because they're like, you know, it's just New Testament. But they don't understand. Yes, we're living in the new, but there's a purpose for the old. Okay? So now, when, when we're reading the, the, the new, we've got to see that Jesus is, is expounding or explaining something from Genesis to Malachi. Okay, so if, if there's a, a, a teaching on salvation, we can actually find teaching on salvation from the Genesis to Malachi, the first part of our Bibles. We can find teachings on the Holy Spirit from Genesis to Malachi. We can find teachings on everything from Genesis to Malachi. It's just you've got to dig a bit and then you can kind of see the foundation of it. But Jesus and the New Testament writers explain to help us understand what it was actually saying. Like now, Ezekiel 36, verse 25, the prof a prophecy of salvation, or God declaring His intention with, with salvation. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. So this is, a, 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 you could say, a promise of being clean. A, 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 a declaration of intention with regard to salvation. Now, this is referred to in Hebrews chapter 10. So the writer of Hebrews is talking about Ezekiel, what is it, 36, 25, in Hebrews chapter 10, when he says in verse 22, let us draw near 
This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Okay? So this is, this is cross-referencing and showing us the old, what the old taught and what the new is sharing. Now, Jesus didn't thumbsuck ideas and Paul and all the writers didn't thumbsuck ideas. Why didn't Jesus do that? Because he himself said, I didn't come to abolish or do away with the, the law. I came to fulfill it. So if he came with new teachings, he would have been contrary to the law. But he came to not teach against the law, but to teach the, and show the fulfillment of the law. Okay, so this is Hebrews chapter 10 is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 36, 25. When it talks about water and being clean and all of this kind of stuff, what is it talking about? Yeah, I can dunk you in many rivers and many seas and many bathtubs and all of that, and it's not going to make you clean on the inside. Amen? Doesn't matter how holy the water is, it's not going to make you clean. What makes you clean is the rebirth, new birth, by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So now you receive Christ, you become a new creation, now you're clean on the inside. Now you're clean on the inside. Why? Because, because of the blood of Jesus, because of the life of Christ, because of His death, burial and resurrection, which has made a way for you to receive His Spirit, and now His Spirit in you has made you clean. From all your, your filthiness. Verse 26 of Ezekiel 36. A new heart will I also give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. So, you know, the heart, Jesus said out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The book of Proverbs says that we should guard our hearts because out of our hearts flow all the issues of life. So your heart is the driving seat of your life. Your heart is the driving seat of your life. So you've got to watch what you focus on. Watch what you think about. Watch what you allow into your heart. A lot of people are like, I don't know why I like chocolate cake. I just like chocolate cake. No, it's not because you, 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 you just like chocolate cake because you, you, you were predisposed to just liking chocolate cake because you focused on it. You've tasted it. You've experienced it. You want it because you, you know what it's like. Okay? So there's certain things that you might like which are wrong, which is sin. And it's not like, well, this is just my lot in life. I feel like this. It's wrong. You've got to reject those things because you've allowed yourself to feel like that because you focused on it. When we focus on the truth and allow it into our hearts, it can allow us to desire the things that God desires. So you are the custodian of your desires. Desires don't just happen to you. Okay? The heart is the driving seat of your life. And so that's why God is saying, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. The spirit is like, another way to describe spirit is not just water, but wind. It's like fuel. So he's saying, I'm going to give you a new heart, a driving seat, and I'm going to give you new fuel. So I'm not just going to give you driving seat, a new direction. I'm going to give you fuel to go in the new direction. Okay, verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. This is salvation. Verse 27. This is salvation. I will put my spirit within you. 
and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Religion will, would say that now you need to try and follow God and do everything He says. Follow Him and do what's right and avoid what's wrong. This is Christianity and it's saying now you've got a new heart, you've got a new direction, you've got a new uh, uh, driving seat. And you've got the Spirit, which is your fuel, to push you in the right direction. Now you're not having to try and desire the right things. Now you desire the right things. Now He's going to, the Spirit within you, as you yield to that Spirit, is going to cause you to walk in His statutes. The Spirit within you is going to cause you to keep His judgments and do them. I mean, we, you read the Bible, and you, even just in the New Testament, all the things that you have to do, it's burdensome. Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> That's burdensome sometimes. If you're trying to do it out of yourself. You know, Jesus is saying, you know, if someone hits you on the, 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 the cheek, give him the other cheek. That's burdensome. You know, like, uh, unless there's something within you which makes you want to do it. You know, forgive someone who's offended or who's hurt you. I watched the most ridiculous video. I put it on my Instagram, one of my accounts. If you ever want to go and watch it, it's one of the biggest prophets in Africa, biggest fraudster in Africa, and he, uh, he, he's, he's on TV and he's got his two little henchmen with him, and they're busy having this interview, and he's reading from the Gospel of Matthew, I think it is, and, he's, and Jesus is saying, um, love those who, who what, how does he put it there, love those who, who, who persecute you. And, and pray for those, you know, like forgive people, pray for those who spitefully use you. And, and this prophet uh, uh, interrupts the henchman and says, no, 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 no. I don't like that. He says, I say unto you, Jesus didn't know what he was saying. Can you imagine? Jesus doesn't realize what he's saying. That's crazy town. That's crazy town. Anyway, where was I? <laughs> Verse 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You know, it's difficult to forgive and it's difficult to love, but if you've got the love of Jesus in you and you've experienced his love and his forgiveness, you can do it effortlessly. How? How? You, know, you, you had last week, you had uh, um, Emily, the pastor of Solari's past here, ministry. Awesome woman of God. Buried her 23-year-old son in December last year because he was stabbed to death in their community. And within a few hours, she could tell me she's forgiven those that killed him. And she's praying for them that they would be born again. And she's hoping for an opportunity to, to, to sit with them face to face, to be able to share the gospel with them. At the funeral, she was waiting for her opportunity to, to, share the, to share the gospel and, and give an opportunity for people to be saved. But unfortunately, her son went to a different church and, and the pastor uh, 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 took over the show and made it all about him. And so that was unfortunate. But we had a few minutes where we could, we could share a few things. But the point is, is that she had so forgiven without effort, without effort, she had forgiven people who had killed her son. Because... The spirit within her caused her to walk in his statutes. 
Well, there's a couple other things I want to say with this verse. It says, cause you to walk, which means to carry, to depart, or to go out. So cause you to walk. The Spirit of God in you as a Christian causes you to go in a new direction. The Spirit of God in you now causes you to go in a new direction. That's talking about purpose. The Spirit of God in you as a Christian now causes you to go in a new direction. You've got a new purpose. Okay? Then statutes. What is that? It's appointment. Okay? Statutes is an ordinance. It, a statute is uh, 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 something prescribed. Okay, so he causes us to, to keep his appointment in a sense of even the direction of going somewhere for a specific purpose. Okay, then it says, and, um, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Keep my judgments. That we can kind of focus on very legally, but keep my judgments in the, the, the Hebrew there, means to uphold His name, uphold His nature, uphold His justice. Okay? You shall represent me. If you're upholding someone's nature, you're representing them. Okay? So this verse where it says, And you shall keep my judgments and do them, or you shall uphold my justice, my nature, what, and you shall represent me, what verse in the New Testament mixes or matches in with that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're an ambassador from Christ. wasn't picked out of the air by Paul and said, Oh, this is a great idea. We are ambassadors for Christ. No, it was something referred to from the Old Testament to show that, Hey, now you are representing Him. What does it mean to represent Him? You shall uphold His nature. You shall uphold His justice. That's talking about purpose. We're not just saved to, so that we can enjoy the love of Jesus, which is awesome. But we're saved so that we can represent Him. Uphold His nature in different spheres of life. Amen? You look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to go through this one a bit quickly because I want to show you something else. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> verse 17. This is talking about us when we come to Christ and we become Christians. This means, okay, this is the New Living Translation. The, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Now let's just meditate on that for a moment because often with this passage right down to the end we think about the first verse we think about verse 21 you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and we celebrate that and we forget what's the sandwich that's just the bun verse 17 and verse 21 is just the bun of the hamburger the meat is still in there and we tend not to focus on the meat and the garnishing and the 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 the, the sauces that's between those two verses because we're so focused in on the greatness of I'm a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, which is wonderful, <laughs> and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm right with God, which is 100% correct. As a believer, you're 100% right with God. As a believer, you're 100% a new creation. Praise God for being a new creation. That he's not seeing you as a sinner. He's seeing you as a sinner who got saved by grace. 
And now you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But let's look at the other verses. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God. Wow, we've got such an amazing gift from God. I'm a new creation. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Carries on. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. He's brought me back to God. Isn't that awesome? And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Now let's ignore that one. That sounds like some hard work. I think someone might reject me. Verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Isn't that awesome? Um, he's not holding my sin against me. He's not holding the, the, the sin of anyone against them. God is not keeping records of wrongs. Praise God. That's awesome. Then it goes on and says, and has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's amazing. I've got the message of reconciliation. But in there is also a ministry. Because now I've got the ministry of reconciling people to him. And I've got this message to fulfill this ministry. So it's not just a message for me, it's a message for me to share. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors or representatives. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Then it goes on to speak about the righteousness. But verse 20, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. This is where we, we should mature to. As Christians, we start off with, I'm a new creation. God's not looking at my past. I'm so, so pleased that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've got a new bloodline, the bloodline of Christ. Isn't that awesome? Praise Jesus. I'm new. I'm fresh. I've had a new opportunity, a new start, wah, 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 wah. But we should mature to the place of pleading with others to come back to God. When last did any of us plead with someone to come back to God? That's what this is talking about. Not just living out our Christian life for ourselves, but living it out for the benefit of others and to bring glory to Jesus. If you go over the page or scroll over or whatever you're doing, um, chapter 6 is really awesome. 6 verse 1. As God's partners or co-workers, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. I mean, this is, this is powerful. You know, Paul is not writing to pastors. Paul is not writing to leaders. Paul is writing to a church which is messed up. <laughs> He's writing to a church which has problems. He's writing to a church which needs to clean up their act, actually. If you go and look at the history of it. And he's saying, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness or his grace and then ignore it. So what is, what is he saying with that? Now, start to live out the gospel. Because you've been saved and now you've got a purpose. You've been saved and now you've got a new direction. You've been saved and now you've got an empowering to go in that new direction. Look with me at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I want to look at it in the, the passion here. It says in verse 1 and 2, Beloved friends, 
What should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies be? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness and experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. There's so much in that. And um, let me just say this, you know, this is maturing in the Christian life. This is growing in the Christian life where now, yes, we're focused in on His marvelous mercies. We're focused in on all that He's done for us. We're focusing on how much He loves us. But then it causes us to respond to that and offer ourselves, surrender ourselves to Him. This is, this is the Christian life, growing up to this place of saying, okay, Lord, I'm offering myself to you, whatever you want with me. And, and I know people get insecure here, but what if he wants to send me to India? If you're asking that question, he's not going to, so don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. But the point is, it's like, you've got to, like, you can trust God. I've been to all sorts of places that I never thought of going and I never wanted to go, and it was awesome. It was awesome. I don't regret any, any in, in my whole life, I don't regret once having said, Lord, whatever you want. Lord, wherever you send me. Lord, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. You know, I, I did once, when I went to a, a particular place, which will remain unnamed, say, Father, I never want to go back there again. <laughs> That was horrible, you know. But I'll, I've gone back, I will go back. You know, it's, it's, it's not an issue. I got over myself. But look at verse 2 here. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Don't squeeze into the mold of this present age. Don't copy how the world goes. So, what is the world's pattern? What's the world's pattern? Let's build a career. It's not wrong to build a career. But the world's pattern makes that the most important thing. Your purpose is not to build a career, ever. Build a career. It's important. And I'll show you why now. But there's a deeper purpose for that, that the world gets... The world will get dissatisfied with careers. You've seen it. They get dissatisfied with careers. They're like, wow, this is really not making my... my blowing my whistle. <laughs> this is not lighting up my Christmas tree. I need to do something else. Let me go on another expensive holiday. Yay, I'm so glad I can work hard to find a nice holiday. Yet they're trying to find a sense of satisfaction. Whereas if you're looking for a holiday all the time, you're probably not where you should be. You know, we, uh, amongst uh, us as, as, as pastors, we often have to tell each other to take holiday. <laughs> you know, I was in a church once, where I worked in a church once, where I sat down in a meeting 
and um, what, um, of, of, of ministers and pastors. And the, the ones that down was like, wow, I can't wait for this holiday. It's going to be awesome. But they were more like, I can't wait to get away from these people for a while. And I can understand that. <laughs> but the point is, is we should love what we do, whether we're pastors or, or whatever else we are. Business people, doctors, lawyers, teachers. There's a deeper purpose to what we're doing. You know Matthew chapter 6? I'm not going to go there. Go to, Matthew, go to Acts 8 while I quote Matthew 6. <laughs> Matthew 6. You, you're going to Acts 8, 26. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We often quote that in a self-centered manner. But it's in... The, 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 put the focus on prioritize his kingdom prioritize him seek first his kingdom how do you know if you're seeking first god's kingdom or not well have you said lord whatever you want you know what you value is reflected in in your your your, your budget what you value is reflected reflected in your schedule how you spend your time you guys are here so you value be you value church or you're a drug here by someone who does Okay, but when it comes to, 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 to giving even, it's like often we don't put God first in our giving. Okay, and that's a whole different topic that I'm not going to get into. But the point is we should be prioritizing God. Why? Because he's got our best interests at heart. And when we prioritize him, that's when we're most satisfied with life. Otherwise, it's kind of like living for the next holiday or I wonder if I should change my career and try and do something else and maybe I can do this or do that or whatever. It's like I've chatted to lots of people who are frustrated in those places because they just haven't found what they're looking for. Christians as well. Acts chapter 8 verse 26 from the Living Bible. But as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go over to the road that runs from Jerusalem through the Gaza desert, arriving around noon. That's a pretty cool instruction, don't you think? Think about it. Philip has this instruction. Go over the road that runs from Jerusalem through the Gaza desert, arriving around noon. Listen to this. So he did. Like, he, he had a relationship with God where he got this instruction, and he did it. He went for it. Okay, he received a message from God, and he obeyed it, even though he didn't know what the rest of the story was. He didn't know, why am I going into the middle of the desert? He just did. No, we, we, um, we had a similar situation where we, we know, God spoke to us very clearly that we would be in the U.S. for a season. Very clearly. And we didn't understand what it was about. We were kind of starting to paint our pictures with it. Like maybe we'll be immigrating or all sorts of things and this and that and the next thing. And, and then we felt him say, okay, go now on a ministry trip. So we planned for a six-month ministry trip. We had a few things lined up. I had to do someone's wedding there. And then I was ministering at a Bible college there. And I was doing this and I was doing that. And we planned to go for some missions training for two weeks. And... And, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden lockdown came <laughs> and we got stuck at the end of six months. And at the end of six months, 
As we drove into New York during lockdown, God spoke to us and said, this is what I was talking about. You would be here now. And we're like, oh. And then we got to connect to and minister to so many different people because we had said, yes, Lord, we'll go. Not knowing the rest of the story. Okay? And this, is, this isn't just for people in ministry. This is for everyone because we're all in ministry. Okay, so, so he did. And who should be coming down the road but the treasurer of Ethiopia? A eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now think about it. Here's this, the, the treasurer of Ethiopia. The treasurer of Ethiopia. Think about, think about that for a moment. That's a pretty good career, don't you think? That's a pretty good career. Treasurer of Ethiopia. Imagine what the chariot looked like. Imagine what he was wearing. Imagine the paraphernalia and the pompous ceremony and all of that. It was probably something that caught your attention in the middle of the desert. Okay? It wasn't just a, there's a little chariot, let me go and see what's happening. It was, there's the treasurer of Ethiopia. Okay? Not as we know Ethiopia today, <laughs> as Ethiopia was in its former glory. Okay? So, which, uh, where was I there? So, Andy was returning, now he was returning in his chariot, reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Can you imagine that? God has set up Philip for ministry. God has set him up. And he, he walks, he goes up to the chariot and he hears. Look at verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along besides the chariot. See, Philip had a relationship with God. So he was sensitive to hearing the voice of the, the, the Father, the voice of the Spirit, and he could follow this. And so he hears, and then what Philip does? It says, verse 30, Philip ran over. There was immediate obedience. He ran over to walk alongside the chariot of the treasurer of Ethiopia. And he heard what he was reading. And then he asked a good question. Do you understand it? Do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, of course not. How can I when there's no one to instruct me? And he begged Philip to come and sit in the chariot with him. And the passage of scripture that he had been reading was this, quoted from Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb is silent before the shearers. So let's just pause there. This man was coming to Jerusalem to worship. Okay. Now he's reading the Hebrew scriptures. So there, there, he, this guy is coming from Judaism. Okay, he's, he, he's a Jew. And now, here comes um, a, a Philip, and uh, there's a ministry opportunity, and they're reading this passage. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who can express the wickedness of the, the people of his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? Listen to this. The eunuch asked Philip, was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? Who was Isaiah talking about? It's, if you read it and you, you listen, he was clearly talking about Jesus. Okay? And so this man doesn't know what this passage is saying. But how is he supposed to know without someone explaining it? 
And so Philip began with the same scripture and used many other scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, to tell him about Jesus. To tell him about Jesus. And then you read further down the story, the man get, receives Christ, gets born again, and uh, uh, Philip gets caught up and, and, and ends up somewhere else. But here's the point. Verse 29, the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join yourself to that chariot. Why did God command this? Why didn't God organize a chariot for Philip to get where he needed to be? You know, in prosperity circles, it would have been a, uh, uh, that's poverty mentality, walking to, in the desert. Like, trust God for your own chariot. Why a chariot? You need a plane. And when we were in, 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 in New York, we, uh, the, the only accommodation we could find that was free <laughs> was, um, because it's expensive, it's, it's, it's uh, like, I think we worked it out to 11 times more expensive or eight times more expensive than here in, in Cape Town. And um, what, what we ended up paying per month, per week, what we ended up paying a week for accommodation there was our monthly rent here. <laughs> That's crazy. But anyway, well, you know, we, we, we were staying in someone's attic. <laughs> in a, the place was very small. Marna, the boys and I were all in one room. The bed was uncomfortable for me, so I slept on the, the small couch. And uh, one of the boys slept in bed with Marna. And the house was at an angle. We've, we eventually realized that when we put a bottle on the floor and it rolled down, it had gone at an angle because of Hurricane Sandy years back and how the foundations had sunk a little bit. And it was uncomfortable. There wasn't a kitchen. We bought a one-plate stove and we had that and we had a little kettle and we had our coffee pot that we put on the one-plate stove and the shower was like very small. <laughs> and I'm not very small. And uh, uh, we had a basin, which we washed our dishes in. The basin was very small. And the basin got clogged up a couple of times because we were washing our dishes in there. And so then we had to start washing the dishes in a bucket, rather. And I had to do the plumbing myself to get the, the drain cleaned a couple of times. We loved it. It was fun. But then at one point, it was when we were struggling with the, 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 the pressure of it, I felt, you know, someone challenged me on the two and said, you know, why don't you believe God for something better? I was like, okay, well, let's look. And so we looked and we found a, a, a nice house that someone was willing to give us at a, a third of the price. And so we would have only paid uh, $20,000 a month for this house. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? And uh, it was unfurnished. <laughs> so we would have had to sleep on the floor and sit on the floor. And anyway, the point is, as we were going through that exercise, I just stopped and I was like, you know what? We, we're staying in this uncomfortable attic on top of someone's house and um, the, 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 from the first day we arrived, we connected with eight different families on that street. Eight different families. A Hindu family, um, a couple of atheists, a big Catholic family, and uh, one or two nominal Christians. And during the next five months or so, we got to minister to these guys and love on them where the street was crying when we left. Because we, we were able to make such an impact. William and Elliot as well. Because we had experienced them. Now imagine if the prosperity preachers, me and, and Marna, 
went in there and we're like, we're going to stay at this nice hotel. And we only connected with some staff and we didn't know anybody on any street. Yeah, every two weeks at this accommodation, we had to pack up and leave because there was someone else coming to stay there. So, so we had to pack up everything every two weeks, put it in our van that we were, le- we were given for the time that we were there, and then we had to find somewhere else to stay for the weekend. And then we would come back and we would unpack. We would have our, the Salvation Army <laughs> gave us food a couple times, and we would keep our stuff in the boxes that they gave us. And yet, because we didn't believe God for a bigger place, we were able to minister to people. Because Philip went to the desert and walked, he was able to go alongside a chariot and minister to someone. Okay? So, but there's more to it. Let Let me show you this. A chariot is a vehicle. And in this context, it's a vehicle of life. It's not referring to cars and buses and planes. Your body is a vehicle. Your ideas, your talents, your skills, your character is a vehicle. Your business, your profession, your qualification is a vehicle that carries you somewhere. Okay? If you work in a bank, that's your vehicle. If you work in a school, that's your vehicle. Whatever you do is a vehicle to get you somewhere. Okay? Vehicles can be like our, it's our, it is our sense, our sphere of influence. Okay? It's our sphere of influence. And so what I'm wanting you to see is that it's not about the vehicle. It's about using that vehicle. Okay? God has positioned you in places where He can work through you to influence people in that area. And so sometimes it might not be a nice job. I can't remember if someone in this room has said this to me. So if it was you, I apologize for using this example. But I'm not crediting it to you because I don't know who it was. But I remember someone telling me that... um, (laughs) I'm remembering two different stories and I remember exactly who the other one was. Not someone here. But the, 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 just how they've got two job opportunities. They're trusting for this one because it's a Christian company. And I was like, okay, that's a great idea. Like, it's nice to work with Christians and stuff sometimes. But, like, let's just think about this for a moment. Don't you think you would be better and more useful with unbelievers? rather than with all these Christians that are trying or not trying to act like Christians. You know, like, like, like we, we, we try and put ourselves in environments like that when God wants us to shine and light shines best in darkness. I'm not saying go and look for the darkness and be there, but I'm saying stop playing it safe and trying to be comfortable. The best testimony, I'm like holding back on sharing this, but I'm going to share it. It's an amazing example. Some of you, you were here when it was said about a a difficult work situation with the other person constantly like attacking the Christian and, and being hard on the Christian. If someone's attacking you as a Christian and persecuting you, pray for them. This individual prayed that this person would, God would move them out somewhere. God, deal with them. Take them away. Instead of praying for their salvation and loving them, they prayed that God would take them away. And then they went on holiday, they came back, and this person had lost their job. And I remember standing here when that testimony was given, and I was like, let's close the service. Because <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't comment on that right now. Because that's the most ungodly thing you could ever pray. To be blunt. Anyway, 
<laughs> the purpose of your chariot, the purpose of your work, is for you to impact people's lives, number one. The purpose of your work is to impact people's lives, help make people's lives better, impact them eternally with the gospel, minister to them, connect with them, etc. But also to bring God's rule and reign, His way of doing things, into that area of society. Establishing His justice in areas. Establishing His way of doing things in areas. There's a purpose for your work. Okay? Yes, to make money, to look after yourself. Yes, to make money, to fund the kingdom. Yes, to be able to connect with people. But also so that God can live out creativity through you in that area. It's not just a career. It's a vehicle for you to be able to carry God's plan into people's lives. Because where you are... I can't go. We can't take a mission trip to your office, really. <laughs> I've been in offices, and I've ministered to people in offices, but it's, it's very rare. We're not going to organize a mission trip to come to your business. And then the, the boss is going to let us talk to everybody. It's probably never going to happen. But you're there. You know, and it shouldn't be that one day you, you try and reach out to someone, and then they're like, um, are you a Christian? They should see it before they hear it. They shouldn't fall off their chair. They should never say that I was praying for your salvation when you're reaching out to them. Amen? Let me, let me finish off with one more verse here. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Easy to, uh, uh, English Standard Version. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Question. Did the man fall in love with the field? No. no. So don't fall in love with your field. Don't fall in love with your chariot, with your career. There's a bigger purpose to it. Love it. Enjoy it. It's awesome. But there's more for it. Okay? What was more important to him? The field or the treasure? The treasure. But he had to buy the field in order to get to the treasure. So sometimes we have to put some effort and time in into getting qualified to get into a profession or get, developing the skills to be able to get into an area. You know, there's things that I've been doing also just to kind of be like sharpen up my skills to be able to uh, uh, be involved in different areas and things like that. We can all do things like that. Okay. In the same way, there was treasure in the chariot that God was after. There was treasure in the chariot. Who was the treasure? The Ethiopian. Okay. This is why God wanted Philip in that chariot. Now imagine, Philip gets there and he's looking at this chariot and he's like, this is a beautiful chariot. This is amazing. Wow, what a chariot you have. And he just focused in on the chariot. No, what did he do? He didn't even mention the chariot, he focused in on the treasure. Because there was a bigger purpose to the, 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 the point of what he was doing. Okay? God wanted Philip in the chariot because he knew he would go after the treasure. God wants you in the chariot that you are going into so that you can focus in on the treasure. 
to bring that treasure home for him. Just don't get distracted with the chariot. Don't get distracted with the vehicle. Amen. Father, I want to thank you that you have called us for great things, and those great things involve chariots, they involve vehicles, they involve professions, they involve careers, but that's not the point. The point is the people that we come into contact with. The point is shining for you and being your representative wherever we are, wherever we go. Father, I pray for, for those that are here this evening who may not know what their chariot is yet. Show them the, the, the gifts, the skills, the interests that you've put in them. Show them how to develop that. Show them how to prepare for uh, their career or their, their focus with their life. But Father, I thank you for every single one of us that you would help us to focus on getting equipped and getting prepared to be your ambassador, to be your representative, and to be good at it in the marketplace, in all spheres of society, Father. It's good to go on a mission, but Father, help us all to, to have it burning in our hearts to live a life of mission, which is living a life of, of uh, uh, eternal value, living a life for you, Father, prioritizing you, in being a blessing to other people. Thank you, Father. I really feel like there, there, there's some individuals here that, that you don't know what your chariot is. And I just feel like God's just saying, hey, don't worry so much about the chariot and focus on getting equipped to use the chariot, to be my representative in that chariot. I feel like God's just saying, hey, keep the main thing the main thing. Focusing on Him and getting equipped to be an ambassador for Him, to represent Him well, and things will start to fall in line. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Stop seeking the secondary as the primary, and seek the primary as the primary, and the secondary will fall into place. But if, if you're here and you're saying, I just don't know. I've got too many decisions that I need to make. I just want to pray for you now so that you in your heart just respond. I'm not going to ask you to stand or anything. But if that's you, I know that there would be individuals like that. But Father, I thank you for those that are, are struggling with decisions with regards to their calling in terms of vocation. Their calling in terms of the vehicle. I just speak peace to their hearts. And I thank you that as they focus on you, they'll get the answer, Father. You're not a God of confusion, so I thank you that they will not be sons and daughters of confusion. In Jesus' name. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.